Hey there, demons. It's us, you girls. Welcome to the Office Goblin Podcast. I'm S. And I'm D. And we are goblins, two goblins on the internet that have many thoughts, interests, and opinions about stuff and things. Today, darlings, let's get this bread. Or let's get this dead. Hey! Oh. <laughs> That's that's right, you spooks and ghouls. We're going to talk about death. <laughs> uh, there are so many puns. So many puns we can do this. But I think we can't start off any better than that. Thank you, Miss D, for doing that. Yeah, let's talk about the stuff that people don't want to talk about. In fact, they much prefer it six feet underground. Ooh, yes. Or in the attic or in the basement so people don't talk about it. (laughs) Or in the walls. (laughs) In the walls. Whatever you do, if you find something in your walls renovating your house, just leave it there. Oh my god, yes. That's a totally, like, superstitious topic we can have later. But if you find something, put it back. Don't fuck with it. Unrelated, related. Just take our <laughs> advice. I was watching A Haunting in Connecticut yesterday. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> a segue. But yes, bring in your dead. Sit them around our fire. We're <laughs> going to talk about what people get uncomfy about. And you know what? I think it makes sense to be uncomfortable to talk about the end of a life. But... Mm-hmm. It happens, you know? We all die eventually. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're me and I found the Sorcerer's (laughs) Stone, in which case I will live forever. I was about to say, unless you're me, a vampire. (laughs) That too, a vampire that found the Sorcerer's Stone, so I'm going to live even longer than that. (laughs) Bear witness, mortals. Yes, (laughs) I will outlive Cher, even though in one episode we said she's going to be around forever. (laughs) Joke's on you. But yeah, so let's let's talk about what kind of got us on the idea of talking about death. Because it's it's like you're not allowed to talk about it, and it makes Mm. me want to talk about it. I think the concept of death, at least in Western society, is very much like the concept of sex. That it's Mm. everywhere, but we're Mm -hmm. not going to talk about, we're not going to touch that. Yeah. And as uh, Dee had mentioned before we started recording, it has gotten very clinical, very sterile in a sense. Yeah, it's it's very similar to, I mean, most Western medicine has just become very white-walled and sterilized. And I would argue that it's not person-centered at some point, especially if you're someone with a terminal illness Mm -hmm. or let's say, you know, there's this this instinct I think that people have that they want to fight to live. Yeah. However, there are cases in which that simply isn't feasible, like the end is nigh and it is what it is. Right. For some people it comes sooner. But- why would you prolong the discomfort and the pain that some people experience and then, you know, get mad about it? Like, let's say a patient has stage four cancer, mm-hmm. has a few weeks to live, and you won't even want to let them eat candy bars so they can do a specific medication, you know, just to maybe give another month to their life. Like, I think that's stupid. Let the person eat all the freaking candy bars they want, Deborah. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like 
how we've talked about before where people aren't really allowed to age. Mm. I don't feel like people are allowed to die. It's almost, you know, as you said, there is even individuals with severe depression. We all have a bit inside of us that's fighting to live. You know, no one wants to die. Mm-hmm. And for various reasons, it could be that you fear hell flames. It could be you fear nothing. And, you know, that's your own cup of tea, but no one mm-hmm. wants to die. But there has to be a point where it's selfish of people to force them to live. Yes. And I would argue that at some point it just comes down to the family of the individual in question mm-hmm. where – I don't care. I'll do anything. I don't care what they're going through. I want them to, you know, receive XYZ treatment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you hear people say these things and it saying it out loud. I'm like, you sound like a psycho. Yeah, it's it's one of those where if the person who's in the bed is like, yes, let's do whatever it takes. I am ready to put my body through whatever trials it needs to see if I can make it through this, then sure. Mm -hmm. But if the person in the bed is adamantly saying, I can't, like, I know my body is not going to survive this, then, yeah, you're you're talking out your ass and it's not fair. Right, or even in a vegetative state where they already don't have a quality of life. It's like, people are holding out for miracles. And while miracles happen, mm-hmm. they're miracles for a reason. Yes. It's not... One in ten, it's not one in a hundred. It's literally one in millions mm-hmm. that someone's either going to pull through. And I I don't think it's too harsh to say that it's probably not going to be your person, which sucks. It sucks. I have been the person that was holding out for a miracle. And it didn't mm-hmm. happen a couple of times. So it's like, you... you I don't know, I don't want to, like, hurt anyone's feelings, but you have to put the person whose life is on the line first. Yes, yeah, I think in that sense, there is this sense of autonomy and grace that we give these people to kind of go out on their own terms Mm. in what they wish to do. And I suppose the aftermath that follows, Mm. you know, because it does become such a, confusing process to navigate you're still reeling with these emotions and trying to make sense of what happened even if it has been a long-term illness or something like that Mm -hmm. and even the cultural attitudes you know where and i don't know if this is true you know growing up in an urban area versus let's say if it's a more rural small town community where people would be born and die in their houses generally and that was considered the norm And now it's done behind closed hospital doors, like Dee was saying, where, Mm -hmm. you know, immediately the body is removed and prepared by other people. And so little people know their rights when it comes to, you know, dealing with death and the body of a loved one that you can be the one to provide that. Yeah. And, you know, if we take it way back... The the reasons that some of the rooms in your house are called the way they are is because of past historical uses. So your living room 
mm-hmm. was oftentimes the wake room. It's where the, the living parlor. would come. Yeah, it's well, it's where the living would come and sit with the dead and prepare mm-hmm. them for their internment. Yeah. And it's, I, I've always thought, because on a different subject a bit, dementia runs in my family. Mm-hmm. And I want it in a will somewhere that when I get to the point where I don't know who I am, I'm done. Please don't make me live that life anymore. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I I don't think I will ever really have a place where, I mean, I wasn't born in a house, I was born in a hospital, and I definitely don't want to go back to where I was born and die there, but it's just like, you know, I still would like to go naturally, or at least, you know, as natural as I can get it. And I want to be put back in the ground as natural as I can get it. I don't want to be embalmed. I don't want to be pumped full of chemicals and plastic and and wrapped and duct taped into place and then put in a silk lined box in the ground for me to decompose and turn to soup. Like, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. I just want to be, I want to be either cremated or whatever and put in one of those tree pods and planted. That's what I want. What kind of fruit would you bear? What kind of fruit bearing tree would you be? <laughs> I I know you I know that's like a joke, but I would love to just be a willow. I want to be a weeping willow. <laughs> you can be mother willow. <gasps> oh my god, yes. I'll see you. I just want to see your Oh girl, I just want to see your face on a tree, your beautiful face. Oh yes. And and be like you're a captive audience now. <laughs> this was my plan all along. Wahaha. <laughs> Yeah. But no, I I think there's something to be said on, you know, especially generally, you know, people are living longer, you don't die at like 10 years old from something that's totally treatable. And you have more say in your quality of life. So why shouldn't we extend that same courtesy near the end of life? Like you, I have this deep seated fear because Alzheimer's runs in my family. Mm hmm. And you know, sometimes people have those early onsets in, like, middle age, and that's beyond right. terrifying to me to slowly lose your faculties and then, you know, live however many years without just lack of awareness. So it's like, I might as well be dead. Right. <laughs> I was I was joking with my parents, and mind you, they hate when I make these kinds of jokes because in their mind they're like, this isn't a joke, this isn't a game. Right. <laughs> But, it's not a game. Yeah, two things. So my first joke was like, if I get Alzheimer's and it, it's a really advanced stage, take me to a nice lunch and then push me off a cliff, make it look like an accident. <laughs> and secondly, like, let me open a funeral home because that's the business that keeps on giving. <laughs> and if I could tell you the amount of times I was threatened with an early death for saying such things, <laughs> it's like- I would have had my own, you know, funeral home by now. <laughs> that really is kind of, you know... My own kind of dark, twisted sense of humor. It's like, if I get to that point, just treat me like a good old family dog and take me out back and in my misery. Like, I don't want to oh do God. this. <laughs> That's a very country thing for you to connect with. See, you're like, push me off a cliff. And it's like, nah, just take me out back and put me down. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, but a cliff is like kind of fun, you know, like, we. <laughs> um, 
like a bird, you know, a flowing. I hope they're playing Natasha Bedingfield as a couple. <laughs> I really hope to God. <laughs> or like Jock Jam something, something fun. <laughs> but yeah, so wait, I said kind of how I want to go afterwards. How would you like to be put to rest? Oh, yeah, totally. This is what really gets me excited. Um, Ooh. <laughs> because why shouldn't it be? You know, so many cultures outside of Western society have so many intricate and interesting death practices where it's truly a celebration of life. Yeah. You know, rather than seen as this very sad and somber thing, which of course it is because this person mm-hmm. is no longer there with you. But especially if you have religious beliefs that tie into like, they're always with me. Why right. shouldn't that give you comfort? So I guess in respect to how I hope things go for me is I want alkaline hydrolysis. So it's like a more eco-friendly version of cremation. Oh, Where they use, I think, boiling water. I think I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. Water cremation. And it's a good time. Yeah. And I think Indiana has banned it, which is unfortunate. Um, Of course Indiana did. I know. I was like, Midwest, come through. <laughs> but again, I, I think that would be super neat. Um, I don't like the idea of embalming. Uh, for those of you who know, embalming was really put full force into practice around the Civil War era. So the bodies of fallen soldiers could be brought home somewhat mm. in one piece. Yeah. Um, but, you know, especially if if I'm going to be cremated, what's the point? Right. Um, I really like the idea of a green burial where, you know, what is that saying? I'm going to really butcher it, but like from the dirt you arrived and dust you will become or something like that. It, from dust to dust, yes. Yes, yeah. Concise. Mine is like, we eat <laughs> watermelons and then launch me through a cannon. <laughs> Very roundabout. But... um. Yeah. That that would be most optimal for me. Um, I assume things may change. You know, now you have so many different methods in which you could lay your body to rest. Some mm. of which I think are super cool, like the very much uh, like time honored Viking funerals, like uh, funeral pyres. So you could still have that. Uh huh. Um, or the idea of body composting, which I think is really neat. You get put in a pod and you compost. Yeah. I think that might be the one I'm talking about because then, like, you get planted. You can plant a tree inside that. Oh yeah, that yeah, yeah. pod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just didn't know what it was called. I just call it pod burials. <laughs> yeah, I, I become a seed. But then also, like you said, there's you can always donate your body to science. Yeah, I don't know if I like a bu- the idea of a bunch of undergrads, you know, fiddling around with my body, <laughs> but and <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the body farm. Like, I totally get that it's. To further education and science, but... And criminology, yeah. I'm not about to sign up for that. (laughs) Yeah, I think if I could dictate, like, some really obscene, like, unlikely to happen, one in a million kind of crime, Uh then maybe, (laughs) you know, just for funsies. (laughs) Right. Like, this was my ultimate dying wish. If you don't do this, I will haunt you. I will fully haunt this body farm. And then... (laughs) No one has a good time. (laughs) With all of this, with our discussion of, like, the different ways of of 
being interred and being laid to rest. Mm -hmm. Have you ever thought how some forms are respected and yet others are not? Yes. You know what? I was having a conversation with a family member exactly about this who wants to be cremated. Okay. Okay. And I was like, what about this water cremation option? Uh-huh. And I don't know if it's simply because cremation was so tried and true in their mind. Like, it's either put me in the ground or put me in the urn. Mm-hmm. That they got really upset with me for even suggesting it. Wow. Okay. And that assume that somehow their body would not end up in the state that it does, like, you know, cremation, when fully there are parts that don't burn up. It's not straight ash. There's still bones. Yeah. That, you know, get collected from the cremulator and then full more ground up. Uh-huh. So there's more to it, but it's, you know, what they know from movies and things like that. Yeah. But yeah, that was just something interesting I noticed. And I'm like, but there's so many benefits to this other form of, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it, it preparation and interment. And they they were not having it. Okay. Yeah. Would you say that you've had a similar response or something different? Oh, yeah. See, I... My dad is wanting to be, like, fully set up. After death, he wants to be embalmed. He wants to be dressed to the nines. He wants to be put in his box and he wants to be put in the ground with all of his organs intact. God damn it. <laughs> and I'm like, respect, dad. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, you don't need them for where you're going, sir. Right. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you don't you don't need them anymore. And I feel like that's still to me. It's a no brainer. Literally, if I don't need it, give it to someone who could use it how i've lived my entire life and i don't see the difference with my organs but there are some people that exist and i'm not speaking down on anyone that it's Mm -hmm. like i need to be fully intact when i go in that ground and i just that's not my mindset but it's a big sticking point and it's like uh, okay can i ask is your father's you know, desire to have these certain things in order and, like, the full, you know, nine yards of the proper burial, so to speak, ye classic burial, um, dictated by religious beliefs or, you know, that's just how things were? I think it's a bit of both. I think it's partially religion, which is, again, why I always say I'm not talking down on anyone because religion Mm -hmm. is held very near and dear to people and I respect that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's partially religious and I think it's also partially traditional of just like that's how you're supposed to be buried. Mm, mm-hmm. Which, again, like how you, you've said, there are so many other ways that you can be buried now and some of them are much better for, you know, the earth and the atmosphere. But it that's just – that's a, a hard-drawn point I have heard where it's like yeah. – I have to be whole and intact when I go on the ground. And it's against, like, he does not want to be cremated. He has a fear of being cremated, which... Like, cremated alive? I don't know if that's that's part of it. Because it's like, I also have a fear. This is really weird that I'm going to be pronounced dead and I'm not. 
I don't know what it is. Uh-huh. I am I am terrified. Like I almost want it also in my will of when I die, like you have to sever my spinal cord. Make sure I am dead before you follow through with the compost or cremation or whatever. Like Girl, I don't know what no, it is. Severing, severing the spinal cord will only like paralyze you. You'll still be aware, but just no. trapped in your body. Well, which is even worse. I don't know. <laughs> just make sure I'm dead, just damn cut it. Cut my head off. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Lob it off. But so, like, my dad is is terrified of being cremated. And I'm not saying that as a joke, because I know multiple people who are. And, like, that's just their mindset. And yeah. so it's, like, this whole idea of the only correct way to be buried is in the ground fully mm-hmm. intact. Whereas all these others are just either hippy-dippy bullshit yeah. <laughs> or not holy enough, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you, I I resonate with that having grown up in the Catholic tradition where people believe like in the second coming of Christ, you know, that people will be resurrected. So of course, yeah. they need to be intact. I can't just be a pile of ash blowing everywhere, you know, <laughs> once Jesus has arrived. Um, <laughs> so I've noticed that amongst people. But also, I've noticed this weird kind of irony where you know, people who are very strong in their religious beliefs. And again, this is not knocking anyone. It's just something I've noticed in like the circles that I grew up in Mm -hmm. where, you know, they speak of the conviction of, I know that I will get into heaven if, you know, I believe in Christ, the Redeemer and so forth. Again, only speaking from my Catholic upbringing. Yeah. But then the older people get, the more terrified they are of death. And I, again, I don't know if that's the instinct toward life or, you know, fear of the unknown or all of it. Uh-huh. But I'm like, I thought this was supposed to give you comfort and it's doing anything but. You're freaking out here on me. Like, why? <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, I think it's important to bring up religion because religion is often a very large part of people's lives across the world. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's a large part in how you come into the world and it's a large part on how you exit the world. And yeah. I think that's part of like the respect piece is um, other religions that might not be respected, then the bodies aren't respected. So Mm, mm -hmm. say mummies, for example, how, how is that allowed? And yet if someone dug up an old union soldier and tried to put their body on display, heads would roll literally in America. Yes. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And like, think about all the mummies that were also desecrated during a time period where they believed that ground up mummy could be used in medicine. Medicine, paint, food, like the number of dead people that were just ground up and put in whatever is sickening, really. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, like you. I don't I don't get it. It's like make it make sense. It's either either or, or either all or nothing yeah and it's like to this day people are still digging up old graves in uh egypt and other areas of the world and it's like oh they found this body they found this tomb they found this princess or prince or whatever and it's like just leave them the fuck alone seriously yeah leave the dead where they lie (laughs) (laughs) Not just for the curses you're about to rain upon the world, but because it's respectful. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I understand that people would argue, oh, it's in the name of like education and understanding how people lived. But you can still study on site and Mm -hmm. then leave the body be. 
you know, or this taking away of bodies to, let's say, from Egypt to the Americas, like, why? Right. It's wholly inappropriate. And especially nowadays, you know, as we've said before, we have cameras and camcordings, camcorders and like videos and you don't have to take the body back with you. Mm-mm. If you need to open it up and look and whatever, just put it back as respectfully as it was put there in the first place. Yes. And it's just, there's this this line, I guess, and it oftentimes can be a white line of who's mm-hmm. respected in death and who's not. Yeah, I think the arbitrary nature of it makes it so problematic because if you designate something in the name of education, it it already creates this vague area mm. of, you know, this isn't a person anymore. It's a test subject. It's a specimen. Mm. And I understand, you know, why people conduct like forensic pathology, you know, to better understand like diseases and develop treatments based on that. Right. But at the end of the day, you know, whether it's a bunch of undergrads learning at, for an anatomy class or, you know, like a body in a museum, that was still a person. That was a a living, breathing human being. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, feelings and a life and everything. And I, the same goes for like any animals, too. I, I include everyone in that spectrum. I think, you know, people also discount other living creatures and it's like the human is paramount. Like, no, this is still also another complex living creature. Yeah, very human-centric, egocentric ideal idea. Yeah. Ideology. Yeah. I am struggling with that word. <laughs> you know, a tongue is just a thing in your mouth. <laughs> Gets in the goddamn way. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> But yeah, I actually, it's funny that we're talking about this. I just had a memory pop up where when I was in high school in biology, we did frog bisection. Yeah, yeah. And we also took a trip to one of the somewhat local colleges that had a massive nursing program. Mm -hmm. And through that nursing and doctor program, they had a cadaver lab where people would donate their bodies to the university for students to study. Mm -hmm. And I I cannot replicate the feeling of walking into a room and smelling that embalming fluid. Yeah, yeah. And just seeing sheet-covered bodies. That, for a 16-year-old, was life-changing. Mm-hmm. And I'll... Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I'm still deciding whether that was a good or bad life change. But see, is it that, like, let's say if you grew up 20, 30 years ago, where it was more common to, you know, it it was probably still like going out of fashion, but, you know, where kids, where death was really normalized for Mm -hmm. young children and was just a regularly accepted part of daily life. Versus now where it's like, when is it appropriate to show a child uh, a dead body at a funeral? You know, why tell them someone's just asleep for a very long time? Is that the appropriate thing to do? What kind of terminology should we use and how young? You know, when Mm -hmm. does death stop being concrete and more abstract? 
Yeah, I think part of it could just be that massive religious part with it. Mm-hmm. Because to some, you know, you could use your euphemism- euphemisms of going to the farm or going to sleep or pushing up daisies or sleeping with the fishes. <laughs> but I mean, how far off then is they went to heaven? And I don't mean that to be like a contentious point. I'm just saying that heaven does not exist for all religions. Right. Or at least the same version doesn't exist for all religions. And so wh- how how do you explain the end of a life to mm-hmm. someone besides, yeah. you know, you're very neutral of they stopped existing? Mm-hmm. It's I, – I think it is something that is, again, age-appropriate learning for children to know that – just as someone can come into the world, they can leave the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you want to be a neutral party in explanation, just leave it at that. It's, you know, just how babies are born, individuals die. And it's just the opposite. Yeah, yeah. I I guess I just, um, my main issue is the fact that people draw that out for too long, like even when someone's old enough to conceptualize the idea, this person is never coming back. Yeah. You know, they still use these euphemisms instead of calling it what it is. And I I think that's almost like disrespectful. Yeah. Because it's, you know, like I think of Victorian times, you know, where the idea of the memento mori, like remember you will all die, Mm-hmm. was very much ingrained into the everyday. And now, goodness forbid, you even make a morbid joke. <laughs> and, like, you know, as you do. Yeah. As one does. Um, <laughs> then, you know, it's seen as, like, un- very uncouth. And, like, why? Why should it be? It's, it is what it is. It's like, in, in America, at least, there are two final frontiers and that is talking about death and talking about the vagina. Both are- And space. And, and space. space. But at least in conversation-wise, those first two are very uncomfortable, taboo topics to this day that people don't want to discuss. And it's like, well, they're very real. And they- <laughs> One's a myth. I know it. <laughs> I don't believe in fallopian tubes. But- <laughs> Girl, they still call it a vagina. It's a vulva. It's a fucking vulva. And yet we call it a vagina. Because, again, we don't call it what it is. But so... Rage. (laughs) Maybe it's just because people truly don't have the words for it. For death in general. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, I think it's just this... We're not allowed to talk about it because it's seen as dark or dangerous Mm. when you know it's kind of like speaking things into existence if you constantly think and talk about death then death will follow you faster and it's all so superstitious (laughs) completely and i mean even if you have people who claim that they're strictly concrete and based in science and mm-hmm. like, oh, yes, it's the way of the body's organs shutting down one by one and leads into a domino effect that subsequently does X, Y, Z. And, you know, the person ceases to be. But right. then there is this mixture of 
the existential piece about, well, where does the soul go? And what happens? You know, do you reincarnate? Do you, are you aware of your own death? Um, what happens to the body? What is the purpose? And again, at the end of the day, does it really matter? <laughs> like, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, like, once I'm gone, I'm gone. I have mm-hmm. no say in the matter. And, like, if you believe in ghosts, then maybe you believe you do. In which case, I will become a poltergeist. Poltergeist, let <laughs> the record be known. <laughs> but, like, you know what I mean? It People say one thing, but then it mixes into these all other gray areas. Yeah, and it's like how you mentioned what where does the soul go? It's also the topic of is there a soul? Mm, great question. Which some people say yes, some people say no. I am of the belief that there is a soul, that there is something mm-hmm. inside each living thing that yeah. makes it living. And I mean, some scientists would say, well, it's because you have lungs and blood and a brain. But like... Again, there's that difference of living and existing. Is it the sentience piece? Like how self-aware you are and engaged? I I don't, I mean, I don't know. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I like to think about that. And even the notion of a soul, I also believe that there's a soul. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, this corn husk of a body <laughs> is just the physical vessel for my soul. But it's... You know, it's like why I gravitate so much toward Eastern philosophy, because there's the belief that everything, even a rock on the ground, has an energy to it. You know, water mm. is a constant flow of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then things that seemingly are so innocuous that just hang out like a rock, you know, that that too has a soul. Everything has a soul in it. It's all. And if you want to go from the science perspective, it's all made out of atoms. And those yeah. move, don't they? Yeah, it's like. It's very fun, I think, how you can tie religion to the existing world. And yeah, easily, easily. It's like, as a soul, to me, your your body is, uh, um, unfortunately, to say this, a meat suit. It is a meat suit. Or holding- a corn husk if you're from the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> but holding on to this little piece of the galaxy that lives inside of you. Mm, mm-hmm. And... I think it's very interesting that we do understand that everything is made of atoms. And, you know, where do atoms come from? Where does anything come from? What started all of this? And that's where that's where the fun questions start. Because to me, then, that's where souls come from, is the beginning of everything. Yeah, and can you have something from nothing, seemingly? yeah. yeah. Ooh. Can I just say, though, I cried like a little bitch when I watched that movie, Soul. Ooh, I have not seen it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Y'all, check it out. If you have a moment, I think it's a Pixar movie. Uh-huh. And it, it talks about the afterlife. And, like, I cried. Ugly cried oh. on an airplane oh. on a long flight next to some Western European folks. Like, it was a good time. Oh, no. I mean, oh, yes, yeah. but, like, that's so... Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> so but sweet. that... Yeah, so... Went through a lot of feelings, a lot of emotions. But I thought they tackled the subject in a really interesting way, because it's like, yeah, where... What happens next? Yeah. I like to think of it 
I read a post online because that's where all of the great scholars go, right? Online. And yeah, on Reddit. <laughs> someone said that they like to think of the afterlife as like a waiting lounge. Oh, like in Beetlejuice. Kind of. And you you come up and you tell them either what your religion is, what your expectations are, and then they take you to that plane of existence. Interesting. So like if a Christian or a Catholic dies and say, you know, I'm expecting to go to heaven, then they take mm. you to the heaven dimension. And, you know, when someone else shows up and they're like, what's the afterlife to you? And they say, well, I was just expecting to be reincarnated. Then they take you to the dimension where you're reincarnated. Mm-hmm. And it's, they kind of made a bit of a joke because it was like, as people kind of walked in and they told them their religion, they'd take them to rooms, you know, room whatever, through whatever. And it's like, but when you pass room seven, be extra quiet. And <laughs> finally, someone asks, why do I have to be extra quiet? And they say, that's where the Catholics are. They think they're the only ones here. i like that but it's just like i kind of like that idea of when you pass you get to choose where you would go to be happy Mm -hmm. you know you're kind of get to be like it said put to rest of just okay the next afterwards is another adventure yeah if if you want it to be. Right. Yeah. I think that's so interesting that you bring up that that post because it's it very much reminds me of the Simpsons episode with like <laughs> Catholic Heaven. I think there was like the Irish section. <laughs> you know, where they're all river dancing and things like that. Um and living it up. But it that that's also fascinating. And I mean like I've I've read just because I'm fascinated by it and I tend to go into these like rabbit holes of like, you know, uh, religion and esoteric thought and philosophies and whatnot and have read so many books, including like, you know, does the soul have a weight when mm. a person passes away that they were doing studies at the right time to weigh the body of the deceased with the expectation that yes, in fact, there is a weight change and it's not due to like, excess gases or anything like that that could right. you know add additional weight to the body the results in some respect were inconclusive but then at other times it's like is that the shred of possibility mm-hmm. because that's the thing suspending disbelief and maintaining the openness to the possibility but yeah how many books also said like yes in fact you do have a soul but even if you had like a hard life, like a, just a terrible, god-awful life, and you're like, never again. I don't want to go through this again once you die. Mm-hmm. That you forget. Yeah. And then move into the next life. Yeah. Because how many times have you been told, oh, you're an old soul? Meaning, like, you've been here many times on this plane of existence. Right. And it's interesting to think, you know, how sometimes you hear about, like, uh, past life regressions, how people remember something and specific facts. Mm-hmm. So there are these unknowns. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really cool that they, I can't remember where it was, maybe the Discovery Channel, because it's always on the Discovery Channel, right? Where yeah, or PBS. They, <laughs> they did uh, interviews with individuals who experienced near-death experiences. Oh, the good old NDE. <laughs> where people 
were proclaimed dead on all accounts Mm -hmm. and then came back to life. And, you know, the things that they experienced while they were dead and Mm -hmm. the stories that they have and the, the visions that they had and the experiences. And it's like, it's, it sounds beautiful and peaceful. Yes. And to me, those firsthand accounts give me more relief than any religion ever has. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just my need into uh, to believe the existing, to believe what I can hear, feel, see, and touch, you know? Mm-hmm. Versus a suspended belief or faith. But yeah. I it's it's still cool to think about and hear about. Well, because that's when I think those beliefs really come into play. Like, you don't really know until you're in the thick of a situation. And sure, people can say, well, those NDEs are just a bunch of failing organs. So, of course, you're going to have these weird, you know, visual and auditory hallucinations or whatever it is and seeing things and people that, you know, have been long dead. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Maybe yes, maybe no. Yeah. Who's to say? You know, and there's people that say, well, I've, anyone that has died, I've never seen them, you know, come back in some respect. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's like, well, as a specter, as a physical body, like, you know, what are we talking about here? Right. Who's to say that they aren't like, you know, Aunt Carol's, who's been deceased (laughs) 10 years, isn't standing behind you all the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny enough. This is... I know psychologists and scientists say you cannot read too much into dreams. Dreams are things that your brain just creates and makes up on the spot. However, (laughs) however, when my great-grandmother passed, I want to say a few days after... I she showed up in one of my dreams and she showed up and was emitting this beautiful golden white light mm-hmm. and she was just how I remember her because some people say you know people when they pass can show themselves as however they want like they can be younger fitter whatever mm-hmm. looked exactly like every other day I'd seen her and just like with existing chillin happy you know and beautiful it was that that was really like a, a another kind of blessing i guess of she's she's gone but she's okay yeah and it's like yeah. i feel that we need to have more conversation that's less taboo less less both science based and less religious based of death of just mhm we cease to exist in this physical realm, but there is enough firsthand account and stories told that whatever happens next is not necessarily painful or horrific or nightmarish. And to add on to that, you know, as much as people are repelled and fear the idea of death and call it taboo, they're certainly fascinated with it. It's like, <laughs> I swear, it's like moth to a flame uh, level of why people are all about true crime and serial killers. It's the same thing toward death. They can't mm. get enough of it, even though they don't 
they don't want to claim it. And I mean, you hell, you had people like Thomas Edison trying to make a machine that can communicate with the dead. It's why people get like, you know, tarot cards, go to uh, psychic mediums, you know, watch these shows about the paranormal and the strange and unusual. Mm-hmm. So again, it's it's like, it's in the everyday. It's a facet of the everyday. I think certainly our society just tends to push it away harder than other people do. Uh-huh. Which is weird, because it's like we've done a full 180 on death. I feel like the way... How you're explaining all that, I totally agree. And I just kind of had a, a small epiphany where, at least as Americans, we've commercialized it. It's fucked up. It's kind of, like, ironic and weird and paradoxical. Right. It's like we're not allowed to talk about it as just existing. We have to make a show of it. Yeah, get your dad a gold casket. Give the man what he wants. (laughs) It's just... I don't know. I never... I guess I didn't realize that until literally just this moment of we're not allowed to to get in the weeds and kind of talk about how death makes us feel or or what we mm-hmm. think might happen next. But we're allowed to sell TV shows where people use Ouija boards. Yeah, no shortage of that. <laughs> right? And so it's kind of mind-boggling to think. I mean, I know we live in a capitalist society, but goddamn, that's, that's really fucked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, make it make sense we either accept it as it is or don't but the fact is is that death happens Mm -hmm. what happens next is not known yeah but could it be that we should be okay with that Ooh, yeah just accepting that it's an unknown and that it happens and it's fine yeah and you know there is the shared experience of even if you're in a culture or uh, faith or philosophy that has a greater openness and acceptance of this as a conversation or a concept, I'm sure there's still this fear of like, oh gosh, well, what if I all of that I thought all along is wrong? But isn't that okay? I mean, there's like, you know, a- the, you have the whole spectrum of people who are atheists and don't or nihilists and don't believe in anything. To people, you know, who have very specific beliefs about deities and rituals and procedures. I, who knows? Who knows? We could all be wrong. Like, Tina Turner could be God for all that we know. <laughs> Proud Mary herself. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's... No, that I like. I, I feel like, again, that's kind of the, how we've had a conversation in our last episode of... It's uncomfy, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I feel that there's a lot of conversation of we don't have all the answers to a lot of different questions, but when it comes to death, it's like we have to have the answer. I'm like, but we don't. No, we don't. And it's like, why would you want this strict answer in death when – you're not even living like you're so preoccupied with what comes after death when you don't even know what happens in your lifetime you you plan you prepare but all the shit that happens to you along the way that you didn't expect and didn't ask for or plan or anticipate Mm -hmm. and somehow that's acceptable no (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, life is a series of gray area. And you have to be okay with that. Otherwise, you can't function. Yeah. there's There are some things that are going to be entirely out of your control. And part of that is the afterlife. It's not in anyone's control. I think that's kind of like the great freeing bit about it is that mm -hmm. once you're past, no one can kind of sell you on what it is or tell you what's going to happen or I'm just, I personally accept the fact that when I die, something's going to happen, but I'm not going to spend my entire life trying to perfect it. No, no. Just try to be a good person. Don't hurt other living beings, <laughs> animal, plant, or human. Mm -hmm. Stay in your lane. And, you know, just be the best person you can be and then flow with life. Because when I die, I'm going to be in an Adidas tracksuit partying with <laughs> Tina Turner. As, as the great Casey Musgraves has put it, mind your own biscuits and life will be gravy. Amen. <laughs> but yeah, death is... Death is a topic. I, I don't know if I should say fun topic, weird death topic. Death will come for us all. That's, that's what I was going to say. It is the great equalizer, both knowledge mm -hmm. and death. That is <laughs> that is just what's going to happen. That's the tea. That's the true tea. <laughs> well, dear S, do you have any final thoughts and opinions on the great abstract topic of the end? I think it is endlessly fascinating, and Dee and I were discussing other such topics like assisted suicide, which I think would be very interesting to get into. Yeah. Do you want to make this a two-parter and get into it in a whole new episode? Yeah. Party. <laughs> party on. Well, it looks like we're going to rock this death train <laughs> For at least one more episode. Who knows? <laughs> maybe maybe a, a trilogy if uh, y'all behave. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess with that being said, <laughs> thank you everyone for listening. If you have enjoyed, enjoyed it thus far, leave a like, a rating, subscribe, bookmark, shout us out into the universe, and send us to your friends. Tell them that we are awesome and worth listening to. We greatly appreciate all that you do for us. And until next week, stay alive, friends. Irony. Take care, everyone. <laughs>